Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Guys, we have we have dug into this for six weeks. This is the sixth message on this subject. And so we've dug into some really practical things about how do we hear God. Last week was some really, I mean, just easy to grasp warnings and safeguards about how do I know it's God. If you missed any of that, just, just pull up your phone and, and look there. I bet you anything there's a button somewhere on it that says podcast. Punch that button and type in Troy First Assembly of God and we will come up. We are everywhere. We are, I mean, we're nationwide. We're everywhere. And so all these messages are on that podcast. And it's a great way to get it again. Also, all of the technicals messages are on podcast now. So we're Sundays and Wednesdays on that podcast. And it's a great way to catch up. But we're at the last message in how God speaks. And guys, this morning we're going to look at a game-changing factor when it comes to hearing God speak. So let's jump on in. And we're going to start with a repeat sermon point from two weeks ago. Because this is where we have to start. The Word of God, God's voice to us, is valuable. It is precious. It is costly. It is treasured. It is not run-of-the-mill. If God speaks to us, then guys, that is, it's an important thing for God to talk. So, look at what the Scripture says. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord before Eli. He's about eight years old at this point. The word of the Lord was rare. And I know when I read that in English, I think that means scarce. I think that means there ain't much of it. And it does mean scarce, but the primary meaning of this Hebrew word in the scripture is valuable, precious. The word of the Lord is to be prized. And I want you to hear me say, in so many words before this sermon series is over, hearing God speak is not a novelty. And boy, isn't it a cool thing God talks to us. Oh, that's wonderful. I See, the whole point of this has been just getting God to talk and now, and then now I'm better than other people because God talks to me. See, I'm up here and y'all are down here because y'all are not as spiritual as me because God talks to me. That is a stupid, immature attitude. And hear me say this. The point of hearing God speak is what is He telling you? Not the fact that He's talking. It's not, you are not, we're so holy because God talks to us. No, what's God telling you? I just, I absolutely love this because you know what? Especially in, in other churches, not this church, but other churches I've seen. You've got a lot of folks that are hearers but not doers. Because it's easier to hear than it is to do, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy to sit there and smile and nod and say, Amen, yes sir, I think so. Have you ever, I know y'all aren't judgmental people, but every one of us slip every once in a while. Have you ever been in a church service and the preacher be preaching something that is dead up what somebody needs to hear? And you sit there and in your little judgmental self, you think, I hope they're getting this. <laughs> I know we all have done it at some point. And you know what's crazy? Every time the preacher preaches something, somebody's in the middle. Like you got a preacher preaching, don't gossip. And you know you got Sister Big Mouth sitting right there. And you know she's gossiping. And you, without a doubt, the people that need it, they always go, Amen. Yes, sir. And you're sitting there going, I know you. You can amen, but you ain't doing it. 
Guys, it's easier to be a hearer than it is to be a doer. But you know, Jesus told a funny story. Jesus is kind of funny because Jesus will tell you these stories that will just pin you to the wall. Jesus said there was a guy had two boys. And he told his boys, boys, I need you to do this right here. And his first boy didn't even make any bones about it. His first boy said, I ain't doing it. You be daddy all day long. I ain't doing it. I ain't going to do it. And it ain't a disrespect. It ain't that I don't love you. I just ain't doing it. It's hot. It's hard work. I don't want to do it. No. And walks away. Now the second boy, he says, oh yes sir. Daddy, I love you. You're the best daddy and I would anything you ask me for. Daddy, I am all about it. I'm going to jump. And yes sir, I'm going to do it. But when those two boys left their dad's presence, the one that said, yes sir, he didn't get it done. He just let it kind of go by the wayside. And the other one who had said, no, I ain't doing it, that boy, his conscience smote him. And he said, I'm, a, my, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because you know how daddy is, but I'm going to do it. I'll just do it. I'll just do it. And so he did it. And then Jesus asked the crowd, which one of those two boys did the will of their father? And how many of y'all know everybody in that crowd got that question right? It was the one that did it, regardless of what both of them said. So hear me say this, guys. The word of the Lord, the voice of God to us is precious. It is valuable. And it is not a novelty. It is not a sign of status. It is not a sign of now that we're so spiritual. No, 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 no. The whole point of asking God and positioning ourselves so that God will talk to us is, what's He telling you? What's he saying? And let's get more to the point. Why don't we? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I mean, one of the hardest things I ever had, I was a youth in a youth group, and I just was like, and you know me, I was always the loud kid. I was always the one that had a lot to say. I know y'all probably have a hard time believing that. But I was a loud one, and I, I went to my pastor one day, and I was just like, Pastor! I felt like the Lord spoke to me, but it's been a while, and the Lord hadn't talked to me, and, and I just wondered, is there something I need to do to get God to talk to me? And my pastor just, you know, y'all have heard me talk about my old missive. My pastor just cut to the chase, and he just said, did you do the last thing he told you? If you hadn't, why would he talk again? I'm like, that's not the answer I wanted. It's not what I came to you for. But guys, there's a real great point there. Why in the world would God talk to you again? And now let's go to the Bible. This is actually a one-point message. So uh, don't, don't get your hopes up. We're not getting out early. Um, it's just a joke. I mean, we are going to get out of the world. Okay? I'm going to read you two Bible stories, and then we're going to look at something that's similar about the two of them. Uh, the Bible says, Old Testament... One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets. Most scholars believe this is Obadiah's widow. Obadiah was an Old Testament prophet older than Elisha. Obadiah was a contemporary of Elijah. So it's older. And Obadiah had a wife and two kids. So many, many scholars believe this is Obadiah's widow. But whether it's Obadiah's widow or not, it is a widow of a prophet. Widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha current prophet, and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come 
threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And Elisha says, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have? For you asked me for something, what you got in your house. And she says, I ain't got nothing. Nothing at all. Except a flask of olive oil, she says. And Elisha says, okay, here. I'm going to send you on a quest. I'm going to give you a Tupperware quest. Go and borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Go up in your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. You don't need a bunch of viewers. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it's filled. And she did as she was told. Then look what it says. Her sons just kept bringing jars to her, bringing jars to her. She filled one after the other. And soon, every container was topped off, full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her boys. And they said, there aren't any more. He told her. And then the olive oil quit flowing, stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he talks again. He says to her, now go sell that olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what's left over. Now, before I get into this preaching, how many of y'all know, by the time she saw what was up, she wishes she had borrowed five more five-gallon buckets. <laughs> I mean, when God sends you on a Tupperware quest, you get to Tupperware, you get to Cornware, you get to anything, you can get any jug, and just make sure it's clean and make sure it's empty. Because God sent her on a quest, and she did, but... Get this, guys. I just go ahead. I got a question for you as we're reading through this. God told this woman through the prophet, get as many as you possibly can. But if she'd have known what was coming, how many of y'all know her possibly can might have gone up a bit? Right. If she'd have had a clue, go and look at the next story. Very different story. New Testament now. Now, one day, next day, there's wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mom was there, and Jesus and his disciples, they was also invited to the celebration. And the wine supply ran out. Not a big deal. It's a serious faux pas. Yeah, it's a social thing, but it's not like, uh, it's not a it is a miracle, but it's not a life or death, a healing, a raising from the dead. It's, it's not that big a deal. The wine supply runs out during the festivities. So Jesus' mom said, they ran out of wine. They have no more wine. And Jesus, mother, Jesus says, Dear woman, not my problem. It's not, it's, not, it's not in my lane. Not my baby wig. Not our problem. And Jesus says, My time has not yet come. But his mom told the servants, whatever, I love Jesus, mother, because Mary, whatever else you want to say, Mary is cool. Because Mary just goes, I ain't talking to him again. She looks at the servants and she said, whatever he tells you to do, get about it. Do whatever he tells you. And standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Now, just so you get the picture, these were jars used to wash nasty hands and feet. It's a dusty desert setting. And you, especially if you go around with camel droppings and etc. You, you wouldn't have to take a whole bath, but you would need, before you eat or before you do, you'd need to wash your hands. And they were big on washing their feet, because that was the part that was the dustiest and the crustiest. So these washing jugs, the way this worked, it's an ingenious design. If you ever see it on his feet, you'd go, 
That is so cool. If you had a big tub of water, any of y'all ever have a wash tub? Of, like, I, some of y'all really, you were not raised in the South because we had a number three wash tub. And you put the garden hose and some ivory snow in there, you've got an evening's entertainment for a five-year-old. If you had a big wash tub and you had five people wash their hands and feet in it, how many of y'all know that water would be nasty? That water would be nasty. But these jugs were tall. They were shaped like this, a little bit of a bow, and they were like that tall. And at the top, they had a bowl, a shallow, wide bowl with a hole in the center that went all the way down to the bottom of the jug. What an ingenious design to allow a bunch of people to wash their hands and feet. Because think it through. You wash sand and nastiness off your hands, and you swirl it once, and the dirt goes down the hole so that when the next person shakes up the water, stirs up the water at the top, it doesn't stir up all the nastiness at the bottom. It's a great design. Y'all get y'all getting what I'm talking about? I don't have a, a visual aid, but it's a cool design. But it's a washing for people nastiness pot. Stay with me. There's six of these sitting by, and they're stone dry. Used for Jer Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one of them held about 20, 30 gallons. So it's about that tall. And the Bible says they want anything in it. And Jesus tells the servants, fill those jugs with water. And when the jars had been filled, he talks again. Get it? He says again, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. Now, between you and me, the Bible never says the water came out of the jugs. And if you look in Greek, jugs uses a different verb. Jugs use the word pour. Dip is a well word. And it makes much more sense to me to think that Jesus said, once you've got the jugs filled, ain't nobody in their right mind drinks out of that. It's not a drinking jug. It's a washing jug. Once the jugs were filled, he said, now dip out. What it, in my mind, what Jesus did was he gave them an unending source of joy. An unending source. It makes much more sense to go, as long as you need it, keep dipping out the well. Keep dipping out the well. Whether you believe it's well or jugs, I don't care. That's my personal opinion. It's well. But he says, once the jugs are full, he says, take that some now, dip out some. Take it to the master ceremonies. The master ceremonies. The servant said, okay, follow his instruction. The master ceremonies tasted it. And it was now wine. And they didn't know where it came from. And they said, of course the servants knew where it came from. They called the bridegroom over. And they said, dude, a host usually serves the best stuff up front. And then, when everybody's had a lot to drink, he brings out the cheap stuff. You, you don't bring out the Boone's Farm until everybody's a little tipsy. He's saying, I mean, I've just heard about that. I don't have any experience. He brings out the cheap stuff. But you've kept the best wine till right now. Now, guys, what's the whole point about the, both these stories? Here we go. One point for the sermon for the day. Obedience leads to God talking more. In both these stories... 
Do you understand that the little widow woman went and borrowed all the jugs you can and start pouring oil? But only when every jug was completely full and oil stopped flowing, she then went back to the man of God who then gave her the answer. Sell the oil. And hear me, she got more than what she was asking for. She was asking for enough money so they don't take my boys. The prophet tells her, sell the oil, pay off the debt, they won't take your boys, and you and your boys live on the rest. Obedience meant God talks again. Jesus and the, and the story with the jugs. Well, guys, think this through. There are a couple of clues here that are really important clues. One is, and, and probably you, if you've read this story more than once, you, like me, have probably wondered about this. Jesus tells his mom, not our problem, and it's not my time yet. And then all of a sudden it is his time. You ever wondered about anybody ever wondered about that? It's like he says it's not my time, and then it, then it, all of a sudden it becomes his time. Well, if you look at the story, guys, what is the only thing that changes? They filled up the water pots. They filled up the water pots. Well, what in the world about filling up the water pots makes it his time? Well, you gotta get into what it says. It doesn't say not my time. He says my time is not full. Anybody ever read the, the, the King James Version of the Bible? Where it says, when the fullness of time had come. Guys, their concept of time was that time got full. And when time got full, things happened. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son. In the fullness of time, the angel came to see Mary. When time got full. Well, guys, what was it about the water pots? Jesus' hands were tied until the law was fulfilled. It's the law. It was the Jewish ceremonial law that says you have to have these water pots ready. for. If you're going to have a big throwdown, you've got to have a way to let people wash their hands unto the Lord. And Jesus said, my time's not full. Y'all need to fill those water pots. You need to finish filling up my time. Now my hands are free. Now I can do this. And so what happens is, guys, I heard a preacher say one time, not my own Mississippi pastor, but it was a great line and I've always remembered it. The truth of it is, at any given moment, God is doing approximately 10,000 things in your life. You are aware of about three of them. At any given moment, God is doing about 10,000 things in your life. You are just aware of about three of them. You don't know everything that God's doing. You don't know everything God's putting together. I tell you, once, years and years ago in Mississippi, I, in Alabama, uh, I was in Birmingham at the church there, and uh, I got in such terrible trouble. I know y'all can't believe that, but I was the creative arts pastor, the music pastor, creative arts, and we were doing a major set redesign. And this was a big church. It was, it was 1,200 people on its way to 2,200 before we left. But this was a major deal. And I had like nine teams doing different stuff. Building things, painting things, moving things, setting lights, doing that. And I had sat down and taken days to work out a plan. And I had three people on that team and five on this team. And, that. and I had it all worked out 
Anybody a planner? I had it all worked out where when this was done, that was getting finished, and we could put those two together, and here we that. So it was all planned. So we got there on the Saturday, and all these teams started working. And I'm telling you, talk about driving me nuts. Every step of the way, somebody on each team would come in. Well, why are we doing this? I don't see how that's going to fit into the hole. I don't, what are you doing? Why would I want to paint that now? Okay, it would be better if we do it this way. And I, just, I got a plan. I got, I, I got it worked out. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And, and it will fit together. Because while you're doing that, I got this team and that team doing other things. And they're going to fit together like jigsaw puzzles if y'all will all do now. Well, finally, it was 17. Was 17. On the 17th time, somebody came to me with a better idea. And why are we doing this this way? But I, I mean, it was a deacon's wife. She came with a better idea. And why, why? And I don't know why we're doing it. We shouldn't be doing it. And I threw my hands up and very loudly said, Will nobody trust me? I had a meeting with the pastor that week. <laughs> <laughs> had to understand that you don't holler at Eastern's wives. It was not good. But guys, let me ask you something. If God asked you to go get a bunch of jugs, or if God said, Adam, I need you to fill these six water pots up to the top. Now, maybe in your world, you don't know what the jugs are for. Or in your world, you don't know why the water pots are keeping us from moving forward. But God told you, do this thing. What I'm asking you is, are we going to get to heaven one day and find out that the thing we've been begging God for and the thing we've been mad at God because He hasn't done, the Almighty's going to look at us and say, the key was in your hand all the time. I was waiting for you to finish this one thing that would have released all this other in your life. See, you got the key. You got, I handed it to you. Now, guys, I'm just telling you. You tell me, would it have met her need if she went and borrowed three jugs and said, that's the best I can do? And what if those guys put two bucketfuls of water in each, each big container, but they contain 20 to 30 gallons apiece. What if they put a few buckets in each one and said they got water in them, but they're not full? And then we get mad at God because He's not moving forward. We get mad at God. Guys, it's only when we do the last thing He told us to do, whether it's a Tupperware quest or fill the, fill the jug, it's only when we've done the last thing that He then opens up the next thing. Look at what Proverbs says. This is such an interesting scripture to me. A man's steps are set, are ordained by the Lord. How then can a person understand this way? You know what I want to draw your attention to in this scripture? The lowercase is. It's not uppercase. We're not talking about Understanding God's ways. Because His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are, high, are, are, are greater than our thoughts. But it's our ways. See, if the, Bible, the Bible is telling you, okay, Tammy, if your steps are ordained by the Lord, and the Lord set this out, 
What are you doing thinking you're going to understand every step you take? Honey, take the step. You get it? How can a man even understand his own steps? It's just, aren't you glad that obedience is not, you don't have to have understanding to obey. All you got to have is clear hearing. Any of y'all ever have a mama or a daddy or a boss or, a, or a, a superior officer? Any of y'all ever have somebody tell you to do something and you didn't really know why you had to do that? But later it turns out, huh, that's a good idea right there. You know what? The, the football coach at my old high school, I always loved what he had to say. Because you ask the football coach, what's your job? He always would tell you, I got one job. My job as the football coach of this school is to get you to do what you don't want to do. So that when you want to do something, you can. The reason I make you run two-a-days and the reason I make you go to the weight room and the reason I make you run wind sprints is because you don't want to do that now. But you get the ball on the field on Friday night and you want to be able to turn on the speed and outrun everybody else. Well, I get you to do what you don't want to do. So you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. See, and guys, I'm just telling you, obedience, obedience will make God talk some more. Here at the end of this series, Pastor, how in the world am I supposed to do this? Guys, this, this principle is all over the Bible. Think about it for just a second. And he tells the Israelites, camp right in front of the Red Sea. They look up, and here comes Pharaoh and all his chariots. And you know what God does? God's funny. God tells them, get up and start walking toward the water before he tells Moses, stretch your staff out over the water. And if they had not gotten up when he said, get up, the chariots would have overtaken them, water open or not. Well, God, I'm walking toward a brick wall. Lord, I'm walking toward the Red Sea. What are you thinking? Guys, let God be God. God got the job of God and He does a good job at it. He's real good at that. You just be the, okay, yes, sir. I'm going to, you know what? The Israelites were scared, scared, scared of going into that promised land because we got to fight. We got to fight fortified cities. And there's all these hard battles to win and fortified. And you know what God tells them to do? Walk around the perimeter once a day for seven days. And I love how God gives instructions to Joshua. Because God tells Joshua, tell the people to shut up. Because if you let them talk, they're going to be, this is stupid. Why? I, Moses would never have us walking around like this. This said, ah, oh, God told him, said, don't open your mouth. Shut up. Just walk. So they walked once a day. And then on that seventh day, you walk seven times around the city. And then, after they had obeyed, then God says, okay, good, you obey. Now, shout, blow the trumpet. And you know what the Bible says about the walls of Jericho? I love this. Because the Bible doesn't say the walls of Jericho fell over. The Bible says the walls of Jericho fell flat. It didn't fall over. It fell just that. God just mushed it. I mean, I don't you see God in His heaven? He just takes a big old God hand and He goes, Obedience. Thank God. Thank me. Mush. And just mush the wall. I mean, 
Jericho's walls didn't fall over. They just, I mean, collapsed straight down. Guys, obedience. Obedience. So, how do we do it, Pastor? We've been here six, six lessons in this. How do we actually give this some shoe leather? You grow into obedience and you will grow in hearing God. You grow into obedience and you will grow into hearing God. So let me give you the deepest, most theological method I can come up with. I mean, I've studied and I've dug into the scriptures. And let me show you how you go about this. Watch right here. Are you ready? Get your pencil. Start. That's it. You start. Well, Pastor, how do I start? You start. Hear me say this, guys. Look at this. We've been talking about hearing God's voice for six weeks. We've given you simple, straightforward things to do. We've given you simple, easily understood safeguards that are straight out of the Word of God. So guys, start. Dig into His Word. Be consistent in your prayer time. Open your heart. Get you some quiet time. Give God some room to talk to you. Give Him place. And then here's the biggie. Start obeying when you think it really might be God. Start obeying when you think it might be God. And then see what happens. Because guys, the goal was never hearing God's voice. The goal is relationship. Getting you connected with God. So when you think that just maybe what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're sensing in the middle of your chest, in your spirit, when you think that might be the Holy Spirit moving on me, moving on the inside of me, run it by your safeguards, check it out with the Word of God, and then obey. Just obey. I am praying that a Nike spirit sweeps over this whole church. Just do it. Just do it. Just what, like Nike says, do it. Just don't, don't overthink it. Don't Look what James says. Just look at the Word of God. What good is, I love James. I hate James. I love James. I really do. I love hate being going with James. But it's so straightforward. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Talk about straight. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothes, and you say, goodbye, have a good day. So now stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, oh, get this, guys. Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, your faith is dead. And useless. Let's read that again. Go back a slide, please, Griff. That really does bear going again. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you've got all this faith, but you don't show it by what you do? Can that kind of faith save anybody? I don't think so. Suppose you see a brother or sister who doesn't have any food, no clothes, and you say, have a good day. Goodbye. Y'all stay warm now. Get you something to eat. But then you don't give them any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself, it's not enough. Unless it produces some kind of an act, some kind of a good deed, 
Your faith is dead and useless. So let's look. How does this play out in my real life, Pastor? How might this look? Alright, you're reading the Word. You're talking to the Lord. You're trying to be open. You're praying. And you're like, God, speak to me. I'm, I'm open. I'm available. I'm listening. And all of a sudden, you're standing in all this. And you get a strong impression. You get a, 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 as Holy Spirit elbow in your ribs. You're standing in the line. And the Holy Spirit just says, that lady in front of you, pay for her groceries. That sacred divider where your stuff doesn't touch their stuff, just pick it up and tell the cashier you're going to pay for it. And, 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 and pay for her. And when she says, no, 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 you can't do that, just tell her. I go to this church and we've been talking about praying and trying to hear from God. And just be honest. I don't know if I'm hearing from God or not. I hope I am. I'm trying. But I feel like I ought to do this. And so I'm going to ask you to please let me do this. I'm trying. Alright, so let's say, for the sake of argument, you're missing God completely. You're just way out in left field. And God never spoke to you to do that. What is the worst that can happen? You're out a few bucks. And somebody gets blessed, somebody receives, and they know that God loves them, and you, the cashier, the person in front of you, and the person behind you, all of them see a person who's trying to hear from God, trying to be led by the Holy Spirit, trying to do the right thing. That's the worst case scenario if you're completely wrong. Guys, last time I had to do this, and yes, I have to do it, and I say have to, because those of y'all that know me know that giving is not my gift. I do it. The Lord says do it. I'll do it. Last time I did it, it was to the tune of $200. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, Lord. I'm standing in a goodwill, because you're safe in the goodwill. They don't have much expensive there. Standing there, and this lady, this grandmother age, goes to the front, with a, to a cart stacked up with toys. And I'm standing there with one item. Three dollars. I'm standing there and the Lord says, pay for that whole cart. And I was like, I rebuke you, Satan. You just get <laughs> They start ringing up that lady's stuff and I pulled out my car and I stepped in front of her and I handed the lady my card. And the lady looked at me and said, no, you're not. You're not paying for all this. You, you only got one eye. I said, and I told her, I said, look, I pastor a church. And I told people they need to listen when the Lord talks to them. And they need to obey. And I said, I can't stand up and tell people stuff like that if I don't do it. And I, I told her, y'all, I, I told her straight up, I may be missing God bigger than Dallas. I, I'm not saying God is speaking to me standing in the goodwill. But I think I'm supposed to do this. And I need you to please let me. And just know that God sees you. God knows where you are. He loves you. And if I'm wrong, hey, you got lucky. And if I'm right, God really does care about you. Well, so I'm standing there and they're ringing up stuff. And the lady starts crying. And the cashier starts crying. And the lady behind me starts crying. And I'm like, I'm a guy. I don't need this drama. Let me just get out of here. If I missed God completely, 
It cost me a few dollars, but I'm trying. Anybody here got a child? Anybody here got a child you like? I mean, one you like. You tell me, how would you deal with a child who sincerely is trying to obey you, but gets it wrong? If your child was really trying to obey you, even if they got it wrong, would you not be, buddy, I really appreciate that. But here, let me, let me tweak this just a little bit. Let me get you in the right spot. Let me help you. Yeah. But you don't scold that child. You don't get mad at that child. You don't make that child feel stupid. Well, you're just dumb. You don't listen. You don't, you don't ever follow instructions. If that baby's trying to obey you, you'd love on that one. You just had, And guys, your father sees this as they trying. And you know what? It, there's no humiliation in front of the world. For the world to see, you tried. Guys, it, it may be you're talking to a co-worker or you're talking to somebody at school and they're telling you about their mom that's dealing with cancer. And you feel the Holy Spirit right in the center of your chest just nudge you and say, ask to pray for their mom right now. Don't tell them I'll be praying. Ask if you can pray right now. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what that person believes. 99.9999999% of the people will thank you for praying for their mom who's struggling with cancer. And you know what I do in this situation? Let me just be real with you. I have told people in so many words, I don't know what, you're, what you believe. And hear me say this, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm really not. I'm not trying to convert you. I just care about you. And I know that God hears me when I pray. And I care about you. So can I pray for your mom? Would you mind? Just a second. I won't make you feel, feel weird. And I won't pray a long time. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just, can we just pray together one second? Again, if you miss God by a mile, maybe that's not God at all. What's the worst that can happen? You have shown another person you care. You have shown another person that a regular, not weirdo, is trying to hear from God in this sad world we live in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're just a regular person. You're not, you don't, don't act weird, don't. God is telling me I'm supposed to pray for your mama. <laughs> don't be weird. Just be regular. But pray for mama. And when it's over, say, Keep me updated. I just want to, and I want you to know, I will be praying for Mama too, as we leave here. Just, what's the worst that can happen? So maybe it's a little awkward. That's the absolute worst you can get into by trying to obey what you think might be the the voice of the Lord. Or maybe you're in your own quiet time. Maybe you don't have a quiet time. Maybe God is speaking to you, and God says it's time to try. It's time to start. Set your alarm 10 minutes earlier, just 10, and get yourself out of the bed and find you some spot with a cup of coffee and some Jesus and get you 10 minutes with, with the presence of God. Just do it. What if you're wrong? What if God never spoke to you to do that? What are you out? 10 minutes. It's all you're out. What if you're, if you're, if you're talking to the Lord and the Lord says, time for you to cross the line, You've heard them talk about tithing. You, you know that it's not about the money. You know it's about your heart. Take a step. Start tithing. 
You can tell God how you can't afford it. You can tell God how you don't believe in it. You can tell God all these things. But if the, the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, I'm asking you to be Abba. Take a chance. Take a chance. Take a, take a chance. Chance. Some of y'all are the wrong that age to get that joke. Take a chance. Because, guys, oh my goodness. There is a better question here. The question I've been asking you all morning is, what if you're wrong? What if you miss it? What does it cost you if you miss God? Biggest Dallas. What if, what if you're wrong? But let me ask you the real question of the morning. What if it is God? You ever thought about that? What if it is God? What if by your little, normal, not weird, simple obedience... God Almighty, Jesus Christ breaks through to another person who has never seen Him in a normal way. I'm not talking about a church service. I'm not talking about a preacher. I'm not talking about pretty music in an altar call. I'm talking about Jesus showing up in the Aldi and letting some little mom know God is thinking about me. They may never remember your face, but they'll always remember what God did for them. When you pray for somebody's mom, they may never connect it to you. And pray God they don't. Because the glory shouldn't go to us anyway, amen? amen? The glory goes to Jesus. But what, guys, this is a much better question. And this is the question that makes it worth taking the chance. What if it's God? Oh my gosh, could there be a more exciting question than that? You are in the middle of your regular every day. And you get this feeling, this sense, this nudge. What if that's God? What if it really? Oh my goodness. Guys, think about who we're talking about here. We're talking about God Almighty, the God of the entire universe. What if He really is to you in the altar. Holy Moses. Would that not be the coolest thing in the world? To live a life with God every once in a while. I'm not saying every five minutes. Don't be one of those weirdos either. Every once in a while, God just touching you on your head and saying, hey, be my hands and feet right here for just a second. You told me in church that money was mine. You told me in church your hands and your... You, you told me that you belong to me. I need to borrow your hands a second. The Bible says he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. The Lord says, I need, I need to borrow that money for just a minute. Believe me when I tell you, God will get it back to you. You ain't going to lose a thing. You ain't going to lose a thing. What if it is God? Holy Moses. Stand up with me, please. Would you just, out of respect for each other and out of respect for the Lord, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a second? This is honestly, like so much in church, this is between you and the Lord. This isn't between you and me. It's not between you and the person next to you. It's between you and the Lord. But guys, we got a two-pronged altar call this morning. I'm not going to prolong it. I told you I'd let you out before noon, and I will. But a two-pronged altar call. There's some of y'all standing here, honest to goodness. You... You wish this was true. 
you look and you go, gosh, if God really would talk to people, if God really did care enough to get in my life with me and slog this out with me, if God would really care enough about me to, to help, gosh, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you it is true. God will get in it with you. And if you're not where you need to be with God, you know it this morning. You know. And so when we open up these altars, we're going to have altar workers come down and you can get right with God today. You can make it right. Just step out. Come pray with somebody. They will walk you through it. And you can, I mean, get a real relationship with Jesus. Now the other problem with this altar call as I was praying on this message, preparing this message, working on this message, guys, again, I don't always hear from God. Believe me when I tell you, I miss it as much as anybody. But I had a clear feeling, a clear direction from the Holy Spirit. And you know what I felt like the Lord spoke to me about you? Most of you standing in this room, it's not a question of asking God, would you start talking to me? Most of you standing in this room, God has already started. And you know. Guys, get this. When eight-year-old Samuel went in to see Eli, Eli didn't make God talk to him. Eli was the one that said, well, that's God. That's him. And guys, that's the spot I'm in this morning. I'm supposed to tell you, and there's some of y'all that you know I am talking directly to you right now. I'm supposed to tell you this morning, the voice you've been hearing is Him. It's Him. Trust it. Trust your own spirit and start obeying and see what He does. Just see what He does. Now, if you want to solidify either one of these, I'm going to ask you just step out right now. Our altar workers are stepping out. Our staff, our, our elders, our our Ministry leaders are stepping out right now, coming to the front. But if you want to solidify to see, you're just like, God, I, I want to start moving in this. God, I want to start start obeying in the in the moment to moment. Or maybe you want a relationship with Jesus. You don't have one and you want one. Come on, step out right now. We're going to just pray together. Anybody across this room? Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for moving in this place. Father, I am so grateful, Lord God, for the way your Spirit deals with us. Anybody else, guys? You just want to say, that's me, Lord, and I am so ready. I am so ready to trust my own Spirit and your voice. And God, I want the guts to step out. I want the guts to just do that thing. See what you do. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the point has always been you talking to us to get close to us. The point has always been, Lord God, you talking to us and telling us what to do to be your hand extended, to be your love to this world. Father, to reach out to our own family, to reach out, Lord God, in our own situations. Father God, you talking to us to tell us, hey, that's the thing that's got you stymied. Get that out of your life. God, we want to hear your voice. And God, we as a congregation, we covenant with you right now. We are going to obey. And God, help us. 
Help us that even if we think we're close, help us to act on that and let you guide us as we go. Help us, Lord God. Father, we love you. And Father, I hear your call. And I am available. I say yes, Lord. I am available, Lord God. Speak to me. And Lord, just like little Samuel said, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. In Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.